The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'd like to I'd like to take some time to explore some of the differences that we can see between body and mind to begin to recognize these different processes that make up our experience. Often I think unexpectedly in ways we confuse or mix up certain aspects of our bodily experience with things that are happening in our mind. And the, the practice that we're doing around observing the mind, getting familiar with what's going on in our mind, as well as our body can help us to start to sort this out. And this is an important piece because quite often I think um, what we are reacting to or where our suffering is created is not so much uh, related to what's going on in the world or what's going on directly in our experience, but more has to do with how we are with it or what our ideas, our views, our attitudes are about it, what our relationship is with it. And so sometimes these can be mixed up. A simple example of this is uh, feeling a physical pain in the body, feeling uh, that experience of, of burning or aching or pressure. Um, the, the kind of physical sensations themselves are one thing and whether they're pleasant or unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant is, a, is another aspect of the experience that actually is a mental aspect of experience, not a physical one. And then our relationship to that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, the liking, the not liking, is another mental aspect of experience and any opinions, views, ideas we have about that unpleasant experience and that not liking is yet another mental aspect of our experience. 
And these all get interwoven, intertwined. And when we're not so aware of the distinction between them, we, we can be relating to, for instance, an unpleasant sensation in the body through the idea that we don't like it more than the actual sensation. When we are uh, relating to a physical unpleasant sensation through aversion, what seems to happen is that there's a, a, a multiplying effect of the unpleasantness. The aversion itself is unpleasant. The unpleasant physical experience, the unpleasant experience that's associated with the physical um, sensation is unpleasant. And these two kind of feed back on each other. So a mental kind of pushing away can create a tension in the mind that is reflected in the body that exacerbates the physical pain. So this um, beginning to tease apart the physical and the mental can, can actually begin, it, it can be a very supportive thing because, for instance, one thing around, around pain, for instance, we start to see just how much of what we call pain lies not in the actual physical experience, but in our reaction to it. And when we uh, get curious about, well, what is the actual physical experience? Oh, there's pulling, there's tightness, and then maybe recognizing the aspect of unpleasantness of the physical sensation and seeing, wow, that, that physical sensation itself, it's a little bit unpleasant, But boy, the mind is really reacting as if it were this huge deal. And when the mind is reacting as if it's a huge deal, it's mostly about the relationship. A fear it's going to get worse, for instance. Or uh, a relationship to a time in the past when we had a similar situation like that where things were really bad. And so it's kind of more about about, uh, history than it is about right now. And so we can start to see all of these pieces come together and uh, beginning to kind of tease apart the physical and the mental is a support for this and also for seeing how they interplay with each other, how these processes of body and mind interweave and inform each other. So a kind of a, a cause and effect relationship between these various aspects of our mind. It's very natural when we experience uh, an, a, a sensation in the body that is felt as unpleasant to resist it, to react to it. It's a cause and effect relationship. And yet it's also largely fueled out of habit rather than actually through meeting what is really here. And so when we're not seeing that the physical uh, experience is leading to the mental experience and that the reactivity to the mental experience is is really what we're reacting to or really what we're um, tightening around, then it just perpetuates itself, these these reactivities, these patterns. And as we start to get familiar with these distinctions between our bodies and our minds, we can... um, begin to understand, in a way, what we begin to understand is how our mental responses, while deeply conditioned, while, uh, you know, influenced by our histories and our past, these mental responses and reactions to our experience are not hardwired. They don't have to be that way. 
and they are, as, as the mind begins to recognize that that reactivity is a large contributor to, contributor to our struggle, our suffering, our, um, our system begins to understand how to reorient, how to, how to uh, recognize that these reactions and resistances, the reactivity that we have about experience is optional. It's often not something we can flip a switch in. We might, as we start to recognize these, these distinctions between body and mind in our experience, we will probably start to notice not, it doesn't take too long to recognize that some of these old habits and patterns are not so helpful and that they are uh, contributing to our suffering. And then we can end up with this combative relationship with those. It's like seeing that uh, anger or aversion is, uh, is piling on the suffering. We might then have aversion to the aversion, which then piles on more suffering. And so what we're exploring here is the possibility of getting familiar with how our minds respond, getting familiar with these different relationships, the ways our mind reacts to experience, and opening to that experience with mindfulness. So we start to see, for instance, that aversion creates a contraction and a tightness in our system. And our... um, our our minds begin to understand or our, our being begins to understand that that pattern of aversion doesn't actually help us to feel better. It's fooled us for a long time into thinking that you know, acting on this aversion actually helps me to feel better. And in some ways it has helped us to feel better because perhaps we've been able to get rid of the thing that we don't like and we've had some moments of ease or peace around that. Of around that feeling of, oh, I figured out how to get rid of that thing. Um, and yet what we're not seeing in that acting out of that aversion is the way that that conditions more aversion. And aversion itself is already a, a feature in our minds that is creating disturbance. We can take action in this world out of compassion rather than aversion. We can take action to alleviate suffering out of kindness and care rather than hatred. This is not our usual, necessarily our usual way of responding. And so it's not necessarily about, you know, just not react, not responding to a situation, but it is about looking at what we're cultivating when we respond. Are we cultivating aversion? Are we cultivating anger, hostility, greed? Or are we cultivating kindness, compassion, generosity, love, caring, patience? And so as, be, as we begin to uh, get familiar with our minds, we can begin to recognize these differences between body and mind. And so I'll, I'll just say a little bit about this. Um, so our bodily experience is kind of a direct, almost elemental quality. It has a kind of elemental quality to it. 
the body experiences sensations like um, hardness, pressure, heaviness, vibration, tingling, pulsing, heat, coolness, moisture, dryness. So our body speaks to us in this very elemental language. Our body doesn't speak to us in terms of hand. Hand is a concept, an idea. Right now, putting your attention in your hand, what is the actual experience that we tend to call hand? There's sensations there of vibration, pulsing, tingling, maybe pressure, coolness. That's the actual physicality. That's the, that's the body experience. Hand is a concept, is an idea. And this is one of the big areas, big ways that we confuse body and mind. We often relate to our physical experience through concept rather than through direct experience. Relating to our hand as a hand, probably not that problematic, um, but much of our experience you know, something like hand, <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got the concept about hands. We also have views and opinions about hands. Probably not terribly challenging views and opinions that we have about hands. And yet what happens as we relate to experience through concept is those opinions that we have about the concept get confused with the actual experience. So... Um, You know, maybe, yeah, just, just trying to come up with something about hand, <laughs> you know, uh, um, if we've had uh, an injury to our hand, for instance, and there's been some pain in our hand for a while, but it's starting to get better, um, we may have, you know, some ideas about hand, our hand and what it can and can't do that um, begin to get associated with that concept. And then as we relate to our experience, reaching for things, touching things, we may be unwittingly relating to that, um, that experience through not just the, uh, the idea of hand, but also the beliefs about what the hand can do, how it can work. So this, this notion of of concept. In this way, it sounds maybe a little bit silly, but so much of our experience and how we relate to the world comes through concept rather than through the actual experience. Uh, a way to explore this potentially is when you meet somebody or see somebody, we have a concept about that person, somebody we've never met before. We have a concept about that person based on what we think about their skin color, what, what opinions or views we have about how tall they are, about whether they're male or female, about how short or long their hair is. 
And often we, you know, those things kind of come in in that subterranean way, in the subconscious way. Those views and opinions come in and we do not know that we're relating to that person who's standing in front of us through ideas. Not only through the concept of, of them being a person, um, but of, of all of the baggage that some of the physical attributes that that person has, has for us. So this kind of unawareness, a, a kind of a kind of not recognizing that we're relating to our experience not through the direct experience of this person who we've never met before, know nothing about, but instead we're relating to them through all kinds of filters and views and ideas. So the, those concepts are mental activity conditioned mental activity. It's like, we all have concepts like that. It's not that we're trying to stop having the concepts. But it's really useful to recognize when we're carrying concepts into a relationship and when those concepts are full of um, beliefs that may have very little bearing in reality. And so this is one way in which, you know, physical and mental can get confused. We see somebody, we think we're seeing their form, their, uh, you know, their being kind of purely in some way, but we are not seeing them as they are. We are really seeing them as we have been conditioned. We are relating to them much, much of the time through unseen views, opinions, ideas. And so beginning to be aware that these are operating is really useful. And so this is one, one set of layers of experience in our mind. We're not probably going to be able to get rid of those concepts, <laughs> but to become aware of them is possible. To become aware that we are relating through concept is possible. And to, to recognize too when there's reactivity what is the reactivity to? You know, often we think we're reacting to something physical or reacting to something that we're seeing or hearing, you know, the sound or the sight. But when we really start to look at what's going on, we, we can often recognize that what we're reacting to, where the, where the rub is, is not so much in the actual sight or sound, but in our ideas and beliefs connected to that sight or sound. So as we get familiar with how the body actually speaks to us, how our senses actually communicate with this being, you know, the, the physical realm communicates through those sensations I was describing before, the visual realm communicates to us through form and color. You know, looking out in this room, I don't just see form and color. I see people, I see chairs, I see walls, I see carpet. All of that, all of that seeing of that creation of of experience from form and color, that's all in the mind. The mind creates the uh, 
from the visual pattern on the eye, the mind creates the concepts. The ear responds to pitch and tone. Ideas about a motorcycle. You know, if you hear a a sound like the motorcycle go by and there's a reactivity, it probably isn't so much just about the sound, but more about the idea. Don't they know there's a meditation center here? There should be a, you know, quiet your motorcycle sign on the road out there, you know? These are ideas. Most of our suffering reacting there is not so much about the sound itself, but is about our ideas about it. And so as we begin to get familiar with the actual experience of hearing and then begin to recognize that we can notice, for instance, the idea, the concept. I mean, we'll, we'll do this a little bit in the guided meditation. We'll explore this possibility of recognizing the distinction between the sound and what we recognize the sound as. So there's that sound. It's hitting the ear as a vibration. And, and the mind notice, knows it as car. That recognition of the experience or the recognition of the sound to be, to be a car is our mind doing that. Our mind kind of has this process of... Um, pattern matching, it recognizes experience based on our experience from the past. That sound that we hear, we've heard it a lot of times. We know it's related to car, or we think it is a car. There's one time I was in this very room doing an exploration around this uh, experience of recognizing or noticing the mind that recognizes experience. And I was sitting, I was sitting over on this side of the room and I heard a, a, a distant hum. And my mind, my mind uh, recognized that as airplane. So my mind created this image of an airplane flying overhead. That's what I thought the, uh, the hum was. And a few seconds later, I felt this really cold breeze on my neck. And I realized that that hum was not an airplane, but it was the air conditioner. And immediately it's like, wow, having seen that, that the mind had created the idea that it was an airplane. And then it corrected itself as it got more information about what that sound was connected to. So sometimes we can uh, begin to recognize this process of perception. This is perception at work. This is how our minds recognize experience. It's essentially, we have an experience and our mind kind of goes, hmm, what's that like? You know, oh, that's like car. Okay, it's probably a car. And so there's this, this work our mind does to uh, create the idea or create the concept around what that experience is. Again, really, really useful process. I'm so happy I don't have to come in this room and figure out every time that, the, that, that there's people and walls and carpets. You know, I, did, I don't have to do that work. The mind does it like so quickly that it's, I cannot see just the form and color. I can at times, I actually have at times on deep meditation retreat opened my eyes and it's been like, like just a screen of blips of color until a few moments later it's like oh people or 
you know, so that, so that there's the, the kind of, the recognition of, thank goodness, perception does its job for me, you know. If I had to do that, it would be a disaster. I'd be walking into walls, I'd be tripping over people. So, you know, the, this process is really useful. What's, what's um, not so helpful is the conflation of that experience with reality. And the, the easy way, or the, the kind of what happens in our mind as um, we relate to experience through concept, our ideas, our views, our opinions about that concept slip in. So we can start to, to see how the mind does this. Hearing is a really interesting place to explore this. At least for me, this is one of the earliest places I could start to see the distinction between the experience of hearing and the recognition of the concept of what I'm experiencing. So in meditation, this can be particularly um, uh, easy or pointed out to us as we hear sounds. We will experience probably our mind relating to that through some language or image. So we're sitting here and there's a sound and the mind will say something like door closing or motorcycle or bird, something like that, that that there's a way in which the mind will automatically recognize what that is. And then we begin to recognize or see that the sound and the concept, we, we see the process of concept creation happening. And again, this is... It's not something we're trying to stop, but you know, what we're trying to recognize is the, the power that that has to influence how we relate to experience. So for instance, the, you know, the simple example around the, the airplane versus the, um, the air conditioner, uh, another version of mistaking experience for me on one retreat came... Um, came as I was uh, doing meditation in the afternoon. I was in Burma. I was practicing in a monastery in Burma. And every afternoon around the same time, I heard the squealing sound. And the squealing sound, um, in, my, in my experience, uh, the, the, the label that my mind gave that squealing sound was pig. So I thought there was a pig squealing. And in my... Um, in my mind, also that squealing sound had a kind of distressed quality to it, and so I thought, I knew this was an I, I knew this was a, a belief. I did I knew that I didn't really know that this is what was happening, but my mind created the belief or the image that in the village nearby, uh, every evening at this time, this was the the butcher slaughtering the pigs for the next day, and so. The response to this was compassion. So there was this sound that created the image or idea that it was a pig making the sound, extra kind of ideas about the nature of that squealing and what it meant arose to create this whole idea around pigs being slaughtered, creating this feeling of compassion. This went on for several days or maybe even a few weeks until one evening around that time I decided instead to do a walking meditation and as I was doing the walking meditation uh, it was about dusk and I began noticing um, these um, bats 
flying around. I mean, they'd come really close and kind of startle me. Um, and the, the bats were squealing. So in that moment, I recognized that the whole thing had been a misperception. Not only had I misperceived around the, uh, the pigs being slaughtered, I'd mis- misperceived that it was a pig. It wasn't even pigs happening. I mean, it's like, the compassion vanished. There wasn't any need for compassion at that point. So we can start to see how our concepts influence our responses, whether or not those concepts are true. So really useful to begin to recognize these interrelationships. Another really powerful area of of interaction between body and mind is around feeling, feeling tone. Uh, Sensations of body, vibration, pulsing, tingling can be experienced as pleasant or unpleasant, sometimes neutral. That pleasant, unpleasant aspect often we think of as as being um, actually physical in the body. Um, but the, the Buddhist understanding of this is that that feeling tone is created by the mind. It's a mental experience, not a physical one. And actually, I've, I've understood now that uh, neuroscience actually agrees with this, that there's a place in the brainstem apparently where if this area if the uh, this area of the brainstem is destroyed we no longer experience pleasant or unpleasant so th- it's put together in a very rudimentary part of the brain apparently so uh you know but but nevertheless it often feels like it's physical and so just a little bit of a of a of a thought exper- experiment about how we might understand feeling of pleasant or unpleasant to be mental rather than physical and begin to see just how informed our feeling, our experience of feeling something is by conditions of thought, of belief, of view and not, not as much necessarily. I mean, there's definitely some, some physical experience. I mean, when we, when we cut ourselves with a knife, for instance, that if we have that capacity in our brainstem, we are going to feel unpleasant experience. It's going to be there because that's what our body's designed to do. It's designed to protect itself through this mechanism of unpleasant and pleasant. And yet we, um, we may... Um, It sometimes just happens that like my brain just like <laughs> stops thinking. <laughs> so let's see. So pleasant, unpleasant. I was talking about that. I remember that. <laughs> um. It was before that.
So the um, the experience of pleasant unpleasant as um, mental rather than physical, a kind of a thought exper- experiment around seeing that at work, how it's influenced by ideas more than actually potentially the actual sensation. So imagine you're on a busy street, a street corner, a lot of people around, and um, you're, um, you're waiting for a friend. And around the time that your friend has said they would come, you feel a touch on your shoulder. That contact, that touch on your shoulder might be experienced as neutral to slightly pleasant because of the expectation of you're meeting this friend. It's like, oh, you turn perhaps expecting to see your friend. And so that contact, that physical experience may be um, experienced as pleasant or maybe a little on the neutral side. And now imagine exactly the same scenario on a busy street corner, um, lots of people around, and you're not expecting a friend, and somebody taps you or touches you. You may respond with a startle or a feeling of it being unpleasant because the context where you're you're not expecting to be touched in that situation. And so that touch may be experienced as unpleasant. So the unpleasantness or the pleasantness of it often has to do um, more with our kind of the context around the experience than with the actual experience itself. And this is where pain comes in. So for instance, uh, let's talk about itch instead of pain. Because with an itch, you can explore this possibility of not necessarily acting to relieve the itch and, and, and feel somewhat confident that you're not going to die or have damage in the body because there's an itch happening. So an itch is a very strong sensation. It's, uh, it, to me, it's got a kind of very strong, almost like buzzing quality to it. It's like a very specific point on the skin. It goes bzzzt, and then it stops for a moment, and then bzzzt, and it's very strong. It's very intense, and usually the mind decides it's unpleasant. So it, it, it decides it's unpleasant. But if we, if we um, have decided to not act on scratching that itch, it can get really intense because our mind feels like, you know, it, it, will, it will throw up all kinds of stuff like, you know, what's the point of not scratching this itch? And, you know, this is just driving me nuts. And what, a lot of what's going on there is that the mind is reacting to a feeling of not taking care of something, not fixing a problem, where we think of this itch as a problem. And so there's the the whole level of mental reactivity around that that just exacerbates this feeling. And it's like the whole system begins to go, it just gets so tight because we're not scratching this itch. But if we can begin to just get curious about what's the actual physical sensation and recognize all of this other stuff as mental, we can begin to see oh, actually, it's just like this. Like It's like somebody buzzing this little piece of the body. It's like a little bzz, bzz, It comes and goes. And the, um, the, the reaction to it is largely what creates 
the feeling of unpleasantness. Some of it is the unpleasantness of the actual sensation of the itch. But much of the experience of unpleasantness has to do with our response or our reaction to it. And so this is just a little bit of a, an overview of some of the areas of how body and mind kind of interact. And the practice that we're doing, receiving experience, we can be curious about what is body experience, what is mental experience. So body, seeing, hearing, the physical realm of experience is one thing. The liking, the not liking of it, the pleasant, the unpleasant is a, is a layer of mental experience that's connected with the physical. The liking, the not liking of it, that's another layer of mental uh, experience. Ideas, views, opinions about what's happening, another layer of mental experience. All of these layers of mental experience create a response to the physical that are more based on the mental than the physical. So it's really useful to get to know or become, start to become familiar with these distinctions. First of all, just being curious about what is body and what is mind. You know, what is the actual experience? And one place to explore this might be if there's some kind of struggle going on, just dropping in the question, well, what's actually being reacted to, especially if it feels like there's a reaction to a physical experience. It's like, well, what is the actual physical experience? Okay, there's tightness, there's tingling. Okay. And what's the belief? This is a problem. Okay, that's, that's a belief. It creates unpleasantness in the mind to think there's a problem. Knowing that belief... How is it to touch into that tightness and that tingling, knowing that I have this belief it's a problem? Sometimes when the, the, the mental aspects become, bubble into our conscious awareness, they lose their potency to uh, drive our reactions. And so this is some of the um, encouragement in terms of exploring our experience from this perspective of noticing the difference between physical and mental. And it can be very powerful when we're struggling or when we're suffering to actually check in. What is actually being reacted to here? Often it is not what we think. It's way more often that we're reacting to something that's happening in our own minds, some belief or view, than it is to something that's actually going on in the world. And there are times that we are reacting and responding to things actually happening in the world. And so it's not always just about the mind, but so much of our suffering comes in this area. And so it's, it's worth exploring and looking into. And so we'll do a little bit of an exploration of that in this next sitting. So why don't you stand again for a moment.